you have your Bibles tonight, I need you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to be looking, I'm going to read the verses 7 through 10, but we're going to look at that whole chapter. Uh, we've been in Nehemiah and we uh, came to understand that uh, Nehemiah was a man of faith. He was a man that was determined. He was a man that uh, heard from God and he was wanting to do God's will. And uh, we looked uh, and saw that he had a waiting faith. He waited on the Lord to open the doors and the opportunity for him. Because of his waiting faith, he had an asking faith. And he asked the Lord, uh, and when he went to the king, the king asked him, what do you need? And he went ahead and told him. And that's all. Uh, we saw God's work in that and God's hand upon that. And when we saw that he had a challenging faith, he was able to challenge the people that we need to go and build this wall. Tonight, we're going to look at that uh, as we move to chapter 4, we're going to see because of a waiting faith, because of an asking faith, because of a ca challenging faith, uh, Nehemiah now shows us that he had a watching faith. A watching faith. We're going to see that as the wall was being built, uh, opposition is now coming upon him. And we're going to hear a phrase where it says, watch and pray. Watch and pray. That helps us to understand that we need to be watching. We looked at that Wednesday. We need to be watching. When we looked at Wednesday night, we need to be watching for our adversary, Satan. Because he's going to do everything he can as we're doing something for the Lord Jesus. He's going to do everything he can to oppose that work. Okay? But also... To not, not only do we need to be watching Him, but we need to be watching for the Lord Jesus. Uh, we say that we believe that He's going to return, but do we live our lives in such a way that we really expect Him to return? If we say that we're uh, believing that He could come at any time, then we should be watching. Amen? But not only should we be watching, just glazing around, but there's work to be, do, uh, to be done. And so not only should we be watching, but we should be working and we should be praying. Okay? So Nehemiah helps us, he introduces uh, that to us. So if you have your Bibles open, you're in Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to look at verse number 7, but we'll reference uh, other uh, passages in that. Now, uh, before we get started, uh, I got this on my mind because she just told me just a few months ago, um, and I'll go ahead and call names on this one. Uh, Miss Mandy Blake came to me and she says, I got to tell you this. I said, okay, what do you got to tell me? She says, the other day, my boys told me that I was old. And I, and I you know, kind of, okay. She says, but then they said, but you're not Brother Mike old. <laughs> now, <clears throat> boys, I want to see you after this service. And I'm going to show you how old I am. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't, guys, don't see me after service. I'll, get, I'll have a headlock. Somebody, one of them will do an arm bar on me and, and all this kind of stuff like that. But anyway, I, I thought that was kind of funny. Brother Mike owed. I'm... Look at verse number seven. But it came to pass that when Samalit and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the uh, Ashdonites 
heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches uh, began to be stopped, then they were very wroth or very angry. So we see word has now gotten out to the enemies that they're building the walls. <laughs> they're doing exactly what they said that they were going to do. And that upset them. They didn't want the walls to be built. And so now they're getting angry. I want you to know, when you're doing something for the Lord Jesus Christ, just go ahead, mark it down, count it down. Uh, just uh, just know, don't, don't think if, when. There will be opposition. It's going to be opposition. Look at verse number 8. And uh, they conspired, all of them together, to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Isn't it amazing how the enemies of God, even though they may have their own differences, but when it comes to attack and to fight the things of God, they'll come together. But those of us who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ... Sometimes it's hard for us to get together on doing what God's told us to do. But yet the enemy has no problem coming together to fight it. Something wrong with that picture. We, we ought to be coming together to build the wall that God's told us to build. We ought to come together to understand that we have to work together for the glory of God. And then he goes on. So uh, they, they wanted to fight uh, against Jerusalem uh, and to hinder it. Now it says, nevertheless, we... <laughs> I love... Here Nehemiah gets word. Okay, enemies, they're, 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 they're hot and bothered here. And says, nevertheless... We made our prayer unto our God, and we set a watch against them day and night because of them. I like Nehemiah. Nehemiah didn't ignore the opposition. He was not detoured. He was not real, uh, got his uh, uh, focus off. He heard that there's going to be opposition. They're coming after you, Nehemiah. He says, hey, no big deal. We've prayed about this. Can you say that about your life? When the enemy is coming on you, can, can you have uh, that peace and can you have that contentment in your life? Hey, hey, I, I, hey God's got this for me. I've already talked to him. I went ahead and gave it to him. Uh, and I know that he is faithful and he's just. And when God takes my pardons and he takes uh, care of the battles that I'm going to have to be in, I don't have to fret over it. I don't have to get have high anxiety over that. I just trust that God has heard my prayer and he will act in accordance to his will and his timetable. Isn't that good to have a contentment like that when the battle is raised? against you that you can have a peace that surpasses all understanding and the only way we can have that peace is to know that we've given it to the Lord and the Lord will take care of it and that's where Nehemiah was now I want you to set the stage here in verse number two we see uh, the first thing we looked at it last week is that when your enemy comes against you they will ridicule you that's one of their weapons they like to use in verse number 2, uh, it was said uh, and called these Jews feeble. He says, these feeble Jews. Now that word is a very interesting word. The word means to wither. 
Here's the picture. Oh, when you get fresh flowers, fresh uh, uh, flowers out of your garden, uh, uh, you cut them and then you put them in a vase and two or three days later, they start to, to wither a little bit, don't they? The petals start to fall and, you know, and after a short period of time, they just kind of fade away. That's exactly what that word means. And so the criticism that was going against these Jews who were wanting to build this wall to do the work of the Lord because they believe it was God's will for these walls uh, to be rebuilt. Uh, the ridicule was that they are weak. They're weak. What, what do you mean? What, do you, what are y'all thinking that you're going to rebuild these walls? You're weak. There was just a small amount of them. But we need to understand that's exactly where we need to be in our, uh, in our mindset. We need to understand when God gives us a work to do, and if we're wanting to do it for the glory of God, we have to come become weak. Because when we become weak, that's when we become strong. Right? Amen. Are y'all with me this morning? And so here he said, first the criticism was that they were feeble. But notice the next criticism. First of all, they said, oh, and they're mocking him now. They're going away. Oh, yeah, you, you, you bunch of feeble Jews. Uh, I guess you're going to fortify yourself. In other words, what they were saying is, you don't understand. You think that you're going to fortify this city that has been uh, taken down and you are small in number, you're feeble. Oh, well, I guess you're just going to head and you're going to build a fortress all around you. So it was ridicule. But also, they ridiculed them because they said, so what now? Are you going to be a sacrifice? In other words, what they were saying is the work that you're involved in cannot be done just by prayer because that's what they were basing their work on. Nehemiah had prayed about this. He went and shared with them, hey, God's in this. I'll show you how God was working. God opened the door of opportunity that I've been praying for. And I went to the king. You, nobody just goes to the king and asks. And I went and asked. And I got everything I needed uh, to be able to do this task. I got all the supplies, all the materials. And I'm telling you, boys, God's in this. And they got all excited because they came to realize we want to be a part of what God is wanting to do. And so they came together and they understood that yes, it was by waiting, it was by asking, it was by being challenged and now they're seeing that God is in this and they said that's exactly what's going to take place. Prayer and the power of God is going to help us do this work for Him. Church, that's the attitude we need to have. We need to have an attitude that yes, we are weak. Yes, we have our limitations. But the power of God working in and through us will enable us to do a mighty work for the glory and the honor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But then he goes on and says, uh, as you read through, he says, so you're going to make the end of the day. In other words, they were saying, you don't realize what you're getting yourself in. Do you understand uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the great uh, work that's going to be done here? It's going to take you an awful long time. 
And you're acting like you're going to get it done in a short period of time. That's what that... So that didn't tour them. But then they also criticized the materials. Notice they said the stones. Now the stones that they were using were stones that they were bringing out of the, of the, of the wall that had been torn down. Now, understand, limestone is what was being used. If you go to Israel, you'll see limestone. I mean, it's everywhere. And that's what they used. Now, oh, it was damaged. And I started thinking about the, the significance of these stones. These stones were not freshly cut. These stones came out of rubble. I thought, I remember Peter saying something about a living stone the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us He is our chief cornerstone. But it also tells us that we are living stones. And I thought, wow, what a picture. Because all of us who know Jesus Christ, we all came out of rubble. We were all damaged goods. And God, when He came in and when we asked Him by faith and, and accepted Him as our Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit come and set up resident, He took this damaged stone and He's made a living stone out of it. Church, we need to understand no matter if we are still damaged or we realize that we've been repaired, all the glory goes to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's only the power of God that He can take something that's been damaged and make it new. And so, he says, stones. So what does Nehemiah do? Nehemiah prayed. <laughs> he gets all this ridicule. He gets all this bad news. So what does Nehemiah do? He prays. Now, this is the third time that we see Nehemiah praying. We know that he prayed in chapter number 1, verses 4 through 11. We also see that he prayed once again in chapter 2, verse number 4. And, and so this prayer, uh, I want you to uh, pick up in verse number 4. In verse number 4, uh, we see his prayer. Now, what does his prayer say? Now, uh, his prayer is uh, similar to uh, what we find in Psalms 139, uh, 139, verses 19 through 22. And oh, let me get to verse number 4 here. It says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and we and turned their approach reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the hand of captivity. And so here Nehemiah is praying. Now Nehemiah prays. He says, Now, Lord, understand, we've come under attack here, but I want you to go ahead and you just take care of them the way you need to take care of them. Now, this prayer uh, was not one where he wanted to get revenge, he turned them over to God. That's what Nehemiah did. He says, now, Lord, uh, you know. Now, why does he turn them over? Because of the criticism of him? No, because of the criticism of his God. He was upset. Now, when you go to Psalms, just turn to Psalms 139, uh, verses 19 through 22. 
a similar prayer here. And I'm paraphrasing if you read along. It says, oh, the prayer goes something like it. Surely you'll slay them. That's what the psalmist says. Surely you're going to slay them. Surely you're going to take them out. Talking about the enemies. Not because of what they were doing against him, but because of what they were saying about his God. He says, they're speaking evil of you, Lord. Aren't you going to go ahead and take them out? He says, they used your name in vain. Aren't you going to go ahead and take care of business for them? Now understand, when we are praying for our enemies, we need to pray, especially when we're doing the work of the Lord, we ought to be praying a similar prayer. We're not saying for God to take them out. We're not saying for God to kill them. We're just saying, Lord, I want you to know if I was in your shoes, that I'd go ahead and take them out. Because they're mocking your name they're criticizing your work this is of God they weren't upset because the, uh, the enemy was coming after them they were upset because they were coming after the work of the Lord and he says now, now Lord you take care of them you understand your enemies pray for your enemies but you need to understand God will get the last word on what he does your enemies if they're coming to disrupt the work of the Lord here and there are enemies that want to do everything they can to hinder the work of the Lord here in this place and they're the demons and all of his demo, uh, uh, demonic angels will do everything they can to hinder the work but I want you to know our God is a powerful God and our God will have the last word and when he sees his work being done, he's going to make sure his work gets completed. Okay? Just go ahead. Now what does that say to us? That says to us, no matter how difficult it gets, we need to continue on doing the work of the Lord because this work is not for us. It's for His glory and for His honor. And even more so, when we're doing it with opposition, more people will take notice. The lost community will take notice. They should have quit a long time ago. I don't understand why they're keeping on doing what they're doing over there. Oh man, everybody's after them. Everybody Everybody wants to hinder them. But I'm telling you, you keep on. You keep serving the Lord. You keep on working for Him because it's His glory, His honor, and His honor is worthy to be working for and God will get the last word. He will take care of the ones who've opposed it. Okay? So, now we move on. Uh, look in verse number 3. Tobiah now has to throw his two cents in. Isn't it interesting when someone starts to criticize how easy it is for somebody else to throw it in there? I mean, uh, when you, people start criticism, it, boy, it, it doesn't take any time. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you went ahead and got that out in the open. I've been pondering on this for quite some time. I mean, you know, you get it out there. Somebody's criticizing. Next thing you know, they're piling on. But when you start talking about how God is working and how is God's blessing, it just seems like it just doesn't quite get caught on too much, does it? Negativity gets spread a lot quicker than something positive. Why is that? Because of the enemy. So, uh, Tobiah, watch Tobiah say. Now, get the picture. Use your man. So here they are, and they're seeing the wall going, man, they're, they're, they're working on the wall, and here's, here's the enemies, and here's old Tobiah. Tobiah says, hey, don't need no army to tear this down what you're building. A fox will be able to do it. 
Keep on building that wall, you feeble Jews. Keep on doing it for the glory of your God. But I'm telling you, it won't take an army to go ahead and tear down what you've started to rebuild. Even a fox can take care of business like that. Man, I don't know about you, but I was working on that wall. I believe I had to drop what I was doing and go down there and get in Tobias' face. And I said, I'll tell you what. You say one more word, I'm going to lay you out. Now, isn't that what we would do? That's what we do with our enemies that come against us, don't we? Oh, they're criticizing us, are they? Okay. Let's give them something to criticize them about. Matter of fact, find out where they live. We'll go visit them. That's exactly what we'll do. But when you're doing the Lord's work, the Lord will take care of fighting the battles for you. Our battle is not with flesh and blood. It's with the powers of the air. It's with the adversary, Satan. It's not a flesh and blood battle. And many times we lose sight of that, do we not? This is a spiritual battle. And we need to fight it with spiritual weapons. And if we're doing the Lord's work, the Lord will see it through. He'll take care of those who oppose us. But then he goes. And so uh, we see that uh, uh, Nehemiah answers. And so here's his prayer. We've already talked about that. Notice what he talks about. Now understand, the enemy has now completely surrounded them. We see Tobiah uh, and, uh, and his forces are to the north. We see Tobiah and his forces are to the east. We see uh, Geshem, uh, his forces are towards the south. And we see uh, Ashtonai, uh, the Ashtonites, uh, which came out of Ashdod, uh, which was a city uh, that uh, was really concerned about Jerusalem getting rebuilt. Uh, they didn't want any opposition for them. So now you have all these who are surrounded. But notice what in verse number 9, you were with... In verse number 9, look what Nehemiah does. Word gets out. He's completely surrounded. The enemies are on every side of him. Verse number 9, we've already looked at it. He says, nevertheless, we've made our prayer unto our God. <laughs> now, I'm just going to be honest with you. If I was Nehemiah, now I'm getting word, hey, just letting you know, they're all around us. And they're fixing to close in. Nehemiah says, it's okay. I've already prayed about this. Notice, Nehemiah prayed well before he got in the middle of this crisis. Many times we miss that. We wait till we're in the middle of the battle. And then, whoa, maybe I need to pray about that. You will never have peace in your battles when you start praying when you're in your battles. We need to be praying before the battles begin. Okay? Got me? So he says, watch and pray. Watch and pray. What does that mean? In Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 18, I find it interesting. Uh, he's gone through the whole armor of God. 
in Ephesians. And then after he gets, talks about all the armor of God, he talks about prayer. Prayer is vital to the battle that we're going to have to fight. Prayer is vital to rebuilding the wall. When you're doing a work for the Lord, prayer is vital. We have to be watching and we have to be praying. Now, verse number 10. I find this interesting here. The enemy is all around them. They're doing the work of the Lord. And look at verse number 10. And Judah said, underline Judah. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. Tribe of Judah. Significance here. Who comes out of the tribe of Judah? David was in the tribe. You ever heard the lion of Judah? The Lord Jesus Christ? There's the tribe of Judah. And if you follow uh, the genealogy there, you will see that this is the, the lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lion of Judah. And here's the tribe that brings discouragement. Now, what does that say to us? First of all, outside discouragement, if we're not watching and praying, will creep in. And it will cause discouragement from within and also from without. But the most damage that's being done is not the discouragement from the outside. We expect that. It's from the inside. Do you see that? Now, what does this have to say? We all get discouraged, do we not? Of course we do. Now, I'm going to go ahead and be very transparent with you tonight. And the only reason I want to do this is because I just want to to, to give you an illustration and to show you the power of prayer. This weekend, Donna had to go back to the hospital. She's there in Franklin. And uh, I'll just go ahead and and put it bluntly with you. She had had another emotional breakdown. It was bad. I was out of town. My son had to come and take care of things, and he gives me a call and uh, more details. But uh, I was at a, a Bible conference. It was good, too. Man, heard some good preaching. I was pumped up, and I come back to the room, and I see my phone. I didn't take my phone uh, into the, uh, to the conference, and so I get back into the hotel room, and, and I looked, and I saw two calls from my son, a call from my daughter, and two texts from each one. I'm thinking, this is not good. <laughs> I got the text. Micah had called me. He says, I had to take mom. Matter of fact, I had to call the EMTs, called her 
Uh, and so, so Saturday afternoon when I got back, ran out to the hospital, uh, and, and she's been transferred to a, uh, a hospital there in Franklin. And I'll just be real honest with you. We've had our ups and downs. You all know uh, about Donna, and I've been very open with that. And I'm open with that because I'm not the only one that goes through this stuff. And the reason why I want to share with you is not because I want to air the family laundry. I'm just letting you know it's real, okay? And there's others in our family here that have gone through similar situations. Post-traumatic stress is a horrible thing. It's emotional. And I'll just be honest with you, I don't understand. But long story short, I've been discouraged. I said, Lord, we're excited. We're prospect, you know, uh, pastors coming in. And we had a, oh man, we had a, uh, God just showed up last week and we saw him move in a, a wonderful way. And I'm, I'm thinking, man, and I was on cloud nine and I went to the Bible conference and I, and I saw Brother Rick Horm and uh, some other guys that we've had here. And man, they, they was preaching and I'm thinking, man, this is good. This is good. And then I get the call. I get discouraged. And we've been praying about this situation with my wife for quite some time. It just seems like she can't get past what happened in the past. There are others here in this church that are struggling with that as well. And I'm here to tell you, God is a powerful God. And I'm praying I'm watching and I'm believing that God has not only heard my prayer, but God's going to act on my prayer, not because I'm special, just because that's just what he does to his children. God will get the honor. God will get the glory. And I'm telling you right now. I have nothing against medications. I have nothing against counseling. Matter of fact, I encourage that. I have no problem with that. But what's going on in my family's life and what's going on in some of our other families' life, it's got to be the power of God to do something in a miraculous way. God can do it. Watching him praying. Nehemiah came to that realization in his life. I don't care the enemies all around me. You ever feel like everything's just squeezing the life out of you at times? Every time you turn, it's something bad news. You know, this grandson or this granddaughter or this child or, or, or situation. It seems like everywhere you turn, there's nothing but trouble. But my dear friend, we need to continue to pray. We need to continue to watch. And we need to continue to beg God and plead with God and say, God, you're going to do something wonderful here. This is your work. And I have pleaded over this church just like you have. I've pleaded over my family just like you. I've continued to remind Satan and I'm reminding him tonight that I have claimed the blood of Jesus Christ over my family. I've claimed the blood of Jesus Christ over Hillcrest Baptist Church. And Satan, you will not conquer. You will not have victory. The victory 
victory has already been won. Jesus Christ did that for us when He died on Calvary, when He shed His blood for the remember of our sins, and when He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. Oh, Satan, you need to understand tonight that we are King, uh, our King is King Jesus, and our power lies in Him, and He has won. We're not fighting this. We're fighting not for our victory. We've already got our victory because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Continue to keep praying and watching. Oh, dear friend, church, it would radically change everything about us. It would radically change this community if we just really believed that, that God can break through, that God can deliver, that God can heal, that God can do things that when everybody else said can't be done. My God, my God can do whatever He chooses to do. And when it comes to somebody saying it's impossible, that's when God will say it's possible. All things are possible to those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you really believe that tonight? Then say a good hearty amen. Amen. So here we see that we may be discouraged, but we're not out. We see number at Kadesh Barnea. Discouragement calls Israel not to go into the promised land. We also see that the ten spies report brought discouragement and because of that, they didn't move until later on. But we also need to understand tonight, we may be discouraged, but we will not be defeated. Because this thing's not about us. It's about Him. And as long as we have the right motivation to do what we're doing here, that we want Him to get glory. We want Him to get honor. We may be discouraged, but we're not defeated. And there's somebody here tonight that maybe it's not you, but maybe somebody in your family, just like my wife, who feels defeated. She feels like there's no use going on. Depression. Many people have to wrestle with that. We see many that are going through similar situations. And many of their loved ones have come to the point in our family where what's the use of keeping on? We need to keep on because of what Jesus Christ did for us. I started thinking about this. And I'll just be honest with you. There's times when I say, well, maybe that's just the way it ought to. This is just the way it's going to be. This is just the way it's going to be. That's exactly where Satan wants you where you think this is the way it's just going to be. There are many here tonight that you have a burden for a loved one in your family. It doesn't have to be with emotional. It could be something else. Maybe addiction. Wherever the case may be, you're, you're about ready to say, what's the use? I want to encourage you tonight.
What would have happened if Nehemiah got discouraged and says, boys, let's just go ahead and call the whole thing off. He would have missed a wonderful blessing and he would have missed out on seeing the glory of the Lord. Because when that wall got rebuilt, all the glory went to the Lord. Wouldn't it be tragic that somebody here tonight has already said, what's the use? That's just the way it's going to be. And on down the road, you realize that God was going to do a work. But I backed out right when he was fixing to show me what he was going to do. Wouldn't that be tragic? I don't want to miss out on on any blessings that God has, not only for me, but for my family. But more important, I don't want to miss a blessing. Any blessings that God has in store for us as a family here at Hillcrest Baptist Church because we got discouraged and we quit. Now's not the time to quit. We need to keep on keeping on for the glory of the Lord. This invitation. Maybe you're here tonight. And God has spoken to your heart. Maybe you're struggling with something right now. Nobody else knows about it. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's someone in your family that's wrestling with this. I'm coming to be more and more aware of of how serious of an epidemic we have with emotional disorders. We got a real problem. A lot of people struggle with depression, manic depression. We have those that are struggling with addiction. We can go on and on and on. And for whatever reason, we're, we don't want to get it out there because we're afraid it's going to cause shame to our family. Please understand this. If your family's going through a situation like I just talked about, don't be ashamed. There's nothing to be shameful about. You just go ahead and let others know because you're in a family that cares about one another. Families, that's what we do. Amen? We are to share the burdens with our brothers and sisters. And we say, well, I know, but what if word gets out? If you go to them and say, listen, I just want to share this with you, but would you please keep it to yourself? And I struggle with this. I thought, why do I want to share about my wife? Why do I want to share about what we're having to go through? And I thought, because there's somebody sitting in a pew that's struggling and thinking nobody else is going through something like this. May I encourage you tonight, there's others who's going through something that you're going through as well. And together, we need to come together, pray for one another, love one another, encourage one another, be watching together. This thing's a lot bigger than you, but God can do wonderful things, but we got to keep working, keep striving, keep praying.